right, so this morning we were talking about regrets. So um, I got plenty of regrets. Does anybody else here have, like, any regrets from your past at all? Anybody? Yeah, so most of us do. Actually, all of us do. It's impossible not to. So I was thinking about regrets in my life. Uh, one of them goes back to 1993 when I entered a hot dog eating contest. Uh, huge regret. I got second place. Um, I lost by a hot dog and a half. Um, now, it turns out if I would have won, I actually would have lost. I would have been disqualified. And if you're familiar with hot dog contests and why you get disqualified, yes, that happened to me. And that was part of the regret. Um, so then uh, in 1998, I was uh, investing all the money I had, which wasn't very much. But uh, I was investing all. I was going to buy one or two stocks. One was in this underperforming um, computer company called Apple. And the other was this, we lived in Atlanta, Georgia at the time, and the other was this company that everybody I knew was getting their groceries delivered by Webvan. So I said, okay, I'm going to do Webvan. And like two years later, they went bankrupt and I lost all my money. And had I invested that in Apple, I'd be a multimillionaire right now. So uh, yeah, there's some regret there. There's a time I ran out of gas in 2001. Amber was pregnant at the time. Um, now, she wasn't like nine months pregnant. It was like eight and a half months. And <clears throat> I didn't make her walk too far to get the gas while I got the car. Uh, there was a time in uh, 2019 I watched the movie Cats. Um, now, the Broadway show was good. Did anybody else see the movie? Oh, my God, that was awful. That was the worst, that was the worst thing to happen to cats since dogs. And it's like two hours of my life that I can never, ever get back. Now, regret is a, a powerful emotion. It's been around a long time, and regret is not going away. We're in a series, um, Summer Playlist. Like, these are things that get stuck in our head, just like a song gets stuck in our head, like things get stuck in our head as well. So the first week I looked at overthinking, and for a lot of us, that's a playlist. It's a song on repeat in our head, and overthinking is, you know, not a good place. We looked at what it meant from uh, moving from overthinking to the new song of peace. Last week, Leandra uh, did, a, I thought it was a great sermon on doubt, and you know, so we all have doubts, like, you know, all of us doubt some of the time, some of us doubt, like, uh, most of the time, but we all have doubts, and we looked at what it would mean then to have that song um, in our head, Doubt, changed to a, a better song, Faith. Now, today we look at regret, and really, the new song I think you'll get to, and I hope you get to when you're done, is, uh, is going to be about um, really just hope and, and confidence, now, there's been some great songs written throughout history on regret. In fact, I think some of the best songs ever written are actually written about regret. Songwriters would even tell you, like, I wrote my best stuff when my, uh, when my heart was broken. So if you're under 20 years old, you get to play this uh, first little game with me, okay? You have to be under 20. So let's show the picture on the screen. So if you're, if you're under 20 years old, you have to be under 20. If you're under 20 years old, uh, tell me who this is. No clue. <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel old? <laughs> okay, so someone said it. So who was it? Yeah, Paul McCartney, right? And he was with, uh, okay, so if you're under 20, I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. He was with a fairly popular band called the, good, the Beatles. So you got that. Will, you got that. So uh, you get one of those little golf chips. You can get that. You're not a dad yet, but you won the contest, so pick one up. If they give you any problems, just tell them Pastor Craig told you it was cool. So he wrote a song in 1965 about regret. Anybody want to take a gander or guess what that song was? Yeah, 
Who said yesterday? Shirley, you get a golf thing too. They give me problems, just tell them I sent you. Yeah, so yesterday all my troubles seemed so far away. Uh, now it looks as though they're here to stay for I uh, believe in yesterday. They said, uh, and here's the regret part, uh, I said uh, something wrong. Now I long for yesterday. So it's a beautiful song, but it's like a really sad song too. Uh, his regret that was uh, that he said something wrong, and now he longs for yesterday. That's not how God wants us to live, by the way. It's not how any of us want to live, like longing for the past. Like we should want to live in the present and hope for the future. So I'm going to show you guys another picture. You'll be in the age answer. Does anyone know who this is? So he was a, uh, the lead guitarist for a band. His song came out in 1988. Uh, he was the lead guitarist for a band, Genesis. And then he started a band uh, when Genesis broke up and Phil Collins went solo. He started a band called Mike and the Mechanics. So I'll give you a hint. His first name's Mike. <laughs> Does anyone know his last name? Yeah, so Rutherford, Mike Rutherford. And uh, so he wrote a song. Anyone know the song? 1988, it's about regret. So it's a heartbreaking song. It's called In the Living Years. Uh, it was one of the top songs of 1988. And like, as you listen, I was listening to the song yesterday when I was writing this. And yeah, I'd heard it. I was a high school senior in 1988. And like, he wanted to have this conversation, like, throughout the song, he wanted to have this conversation with somebody. Um, and he just couldn't quite get the courage to do it. And then the person died. Um, and he says, And I just wish I could have told him in the living years. And then he says, so we open up a quarrel between the present and the past. Now, here's what regret does if we don't deal with it. We're going to look at regret being a natural emotion. But um, he, here's what regret does if it's not treated. We only sacrifice the future. It's the bitterness that lasts. And like that's the, the power of untreated regret. Okay, so I'm going to give all you under 20 a chance to redeem yourself. Uh, I'll show you one more picture. Do you know who she is? Can like, we start there? <laughs> it's not rhetorical. Does anyone know who she is? She's like the most famous woman in the world. She, she broke down the internet like when they had her ticket sales. Uh, so it's Taylor Swift. Now, she wrote a song back in 2010 about regret. And it's, it's a beautiful song. Does anyone want to know what it is? It contains a month of the year. You got a one out of 12 chance at this point. Yeah, back to December, good. Um, so I don't know this stuff. I just have to look it up. So this was actually the Teen Choice Award Best Breakup Song of 2010. <laughs> I never knew they had a thing, but like this, I mean, she's famous because of this, I, this award, I assume. So if you listen to this song, um, you can tell that like, she loved this guy and he loved her, and then she just kind of wanted some freedom and wasn't sure she was quite ready to commit, so she ended the relationship, and then she realized like she was wrong and by that point it was too late so she says this is me swallowing my pride standing in front of you saying I'm sorry for that night <clears throat> and then listen to what she says she says and I go back to December all the time you know so that's what regret does it takes us backwards uh, to those painful places you know basically like it forces us to watch the the movies of some of the most painful moments of our lives regret does that now, is this how you want to live? No. Um, this is not how God wants us to live. Now, even if you don't believe in this Jesus stuff, even if you're kind of 50-50 on it or 30-70 on it or like 199 on it, 
Like, you know, like in your mind that this is not how, like, we're supposed to live. Um, now, listen to the, the words of the songs. I, I long for yesterday. It's the bitterness that lasts. I, I go back to December all the time. Now, it, it's Father's Day today, and uh, I was thinking I used to do, I used to do uh, prison ministry when I was at a church in Texas, and we had this thing called the Alpha Course, and we would go to a, a maximum security prison, um, and we would teach this like 10 to 12 week course. And you know, we'd leave on you know Wednesday early afternoon. We'd come back late Wednesday night. It was about a two hour drive. And this was a maximum security prison. These guys weren't going anywhere anytime soon. Some of them would never ever leave. And you know, so we would uh, like do a meal with them. Um, you know, I'd typically do a talk, and then our people would lead small group discussions. And then at the end, we'd have ministry and. Oftentimes, I'd listen to the offenders, and uh, I'd pray with them. Now, guess what the single biggest regret um, that virtually every man I talked to in that facility had um, it was that they weren't present for their kids. You know, it just, it was, it was heartbreaking to listen to this. Um, you know, whether they sold drugs or killed somebody or molested somebody or stole something, like whatever it was, um, their biggest regret was that they were never going to be the dad that they wanted to be for their kids, never. Um, and, you know, you don't have to, like, even be in prison to, you know, have regret about relationships. Um, I'll, I'll show you a picture. Uh, this is me back in, like, 15 years ago. So that, that was the day I graduated with my doctorate. Um, so that was Benny, like, 15 years ago. He looks a little bit different nowadays, too. Um, so yeah, he was like pulling on my hood there, and um, it was like this really happy, festive day. And you know, I took all my classes in Kentucky, and then I, you know, moved here after that to plant the church. And I was going to write the paper at the same time, and uh, the paper was on the use of humor in public speaking. And the novelty of the humor wore off after about like three years of writing this thing, and finally got to the place where it could be done. And uh, I graduated, and there was something that Benjamin said to me that day that um, <clears throat> it was just it was tough, and it's it's. Uh, it was regret for me. Um, he said something like, you know, Daddy, now that you're uh, done with your paper or your dissertation, um, maybe we can start spending some more time together. And it was kind of cool to accomplish that, but that was a really expensive piece of paper. Um, you know, I thought of all those nights I was at the kitchen table, um, you know, doing the mathematical cal calculations or doing a footnote or whatever it was, and, you know, the kid was in the other room playing, and I, I regret that I missed out on part of that. Um, you know, so what regret is, and you probably have heard this in my voice, so regret is remorse or sadness over uh, words that we spoke, actions that we did, or um, opportunities that we missed. Now, it's not a primary emotion um, like, like fear would be. It's not a primary emotion like surprise. Um, Regret is always going to be a blend of two or three other emotions. Typically, um, it's either going to be shame, uh, sadness, and or anger. That anger would typically be uh, focused toward oneself. Untreated anger focused at oneself for too long will typically lead to depression. So regret, it has really two directions. There's, there's outward and there's inward. So we regret the words, the actions, or the inactions toward other people. And then we can also regret uh, the actions or inactions uh, toward ourselves. 
So let's look at the outward first. So hurting other people is, uh, especially ones you care about, <clears throat> it really produces like this uh, raw reality of regret. So the three songs, they would all fall into this category. So Paul McCartney, um, if I would have spoken the right words or if I would have remained silent, um, regret wouldn't have been that constant companion like it was. Mike Rutherford was like, if I would have uh, had that tough conversation while this person was still alive, um, he would have never written that song. Uh, Taylor Swift is, uh, I wish I hadn't ended that relationship because this freedom that I wanted isn't all it's, uh, it's, it's cracked up to be. Now, if you wrote down, like if I asked you like privately, just totally as a matter of reflection, write down like 10 regrets from your life, I'm guessing at least half would fall into this category like the words, the actions, or the inactions toward another person. So <clears throat> there's probably many of us dads that are saying something like, I wish I would have uh, you know, spent more time with the kids. Um, there's some uh, of us that are saying, like with our significant other, I wish I would have listened more, or I wish I, I would have listened better. There's some of us who are saying, I wish I wouldn't have uh, enabled the other person. I wish I would have set uh, healthier, stronger boundaries. Probably a lot of us are thinking, like, I wish I regret, I, I just wasn't more patient. Um, you know, I wish I didn't get angry so easily. Like, those are all regrets. That's relational regret. Now, we also do carry regret with how we really treat ourselves and how we relate to ourselves. Now, many of us, and here's what causes this. Many of us are adverse to uh, doing things that make us feel uncomfortable. Many of us are adverse, uh, you know, to things like rejection and, and, and failure. So we let the fear get the best of us, and when we let fear get the best of us, what happens? Uh, when fear wins, some of life is going to pass us by. So regret here happens when we had an opportunity and we passed up that opportunity because we valued like comfort or safety or security higher. So some of us wanted to start a business, and, and we didn't do it uh, because it was just going to make us too uncomfortable. Some of us... Um, Regret, not being more attentive in our relationship with God, and, and here we are, like we're, we're starting over again. Some of us uh, wish we would have taken our health and fitness uh, more seriously so we had more energy and we slept better, and you know, this disease we got may not have happened. Some of us wish we would have uh, started saving earlier in life, and now we're having to say no to some really good opportunities because we're trying to catch up um, from where we really, really could have been. Now, Kierkegaard thought a lot about regret. He wrote a whole book on it. Uh, so part of his regret is he always wanted to be a pastor. Um, there was this uh, woman that he loved, and he was just never able to be in a right relationship with her. He always wanted to be married to her, and he just never could do it. He wanted to heal from his depression. Um, he could never quite get there. So he wrote, um, and this is, uh, this is regret. He writes, the most painful state of being is remembering the future, particularly the one that you will never have. Now, the book has good news. He worked through the regret. Uh, you know, he discovered, and here's what he discovered. He discovered that living in the land of regret is going to be a, a complete waste of, of time and, and energy. So has anyone ever asked you the question, um, hey, where are you up to today? Has anybody ever asked you that question? Um, now, all of us like, have regret, all of us spend time regretting, but I've never heard anybody say, well, I'm just going to spend my day in regret. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, 
there's this girl, I mean, I used to like, like her, and um, you know, I'd ask her out, and she'd like, agree to go out with me, but then I wasn't very nice to her, and like, she broke up with me, and like, she was like the one that got away, and I'm just going to regret all day that that relationship will never happen. That's what I'm doing today. Or you could be like the opportunity that was missed. So, you know, I've always wanted to start a, a business. I'm just going to uh, spend today regretting. You know, I could have been the one that opened up the Chick-fil-A at 180th and Center. That could have been me. Like those 29 cars in the driveway and those, like, happy employees that I just, like, say my pleasure. Like, they could have been mine, and I'm going to regret that all day. And even when that passed, I'm going to regret further that I could have started Crumble Cookie, and they would have been in the line all the way back to Chick-fil-A, and that could have been mine, too. And I'm just going to regret all these things because I could have done it, and I didn't. So you don't want to live in the land of regret. You don't. Um, it's kind of like the state of Iowa. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, sometimes you have to go through it to get to where you want to go, like Minneapolis or Chicago or Kansas City, but you don't want to stay there. Like, you just got to move on. Now, okay, I'm from Iowa. I'm authorized to tell that joke. <laughs> I'm just teasing. For those of you from Nebraska, you're like, yeah, that's good stuff, right? <laughs> so regret, what regret does is uh, regret makes us human. Like... If you're a human being, like, regret is going to be part of your life. Like, you choose what you get to do with it. Uh, so regret has a positive function, just like fear has a positive function, just like anger can have a positive function. Regret can have a positive function. It can make us better. It can, it can give us hope. So it can heal us. Um, so God can take, like, those times uh, that our life is a mess, and God can make it our message. God can take our pain and, and make us stronger. So God doesn't cause problems. Um, you know, God doesn't cause diabetes, um, you know, divorce, dysfunction, death, depression. Like, God does not cause those things. Um, you know, sometimes these things happen because of uh, bad choices we've made. Sometimes they happen because of bad choices other people have made. And sometimes bad things just happen to pretty good people for no apparent reason at all. But what God can do from... Um, the dysfunction and the hurt and the pain is make good and beautiful things. And we see this in Romans 8, 28. Paul says here, we're confident that God is able to orchestrate everything, uh, to work towards something good and, and beautiful. When we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. So as you see up on the screen there, like if I could do the bold thing over, I would probably choose good and beautiful. Like, everything that happens, like, whether it's good or bad, God can make it good, and, and God can and does make it, it beautiful. So, uh, earlier, Grace and um, Sarah were talking about um, the volleyball tournament last Saturday. So it was eight days ago. So it was a memorial tournament after uh, a young girl in our church, Taylor Leck, who died of uh, pediatric cancer. So Taylor was diagnosed with this uh, cruel disease early during her sophomore year, and she, she fought with courage and, and valor um, and bravery for a year and a half. Uh, the Rochester uh, Mayo Clinic, the Madonna over in Lincoln. Um, and I, I wish she could have known Taylor. If you didn't know her, I wish she could have. Um, you know, she never lost her humor. I just joked around. Taylor was bilingual. Uh, she spoke both. English and sarcasm, uh, you know, <laughs> very well. And she just never quit. Like, I just, I love Taylor. And um, I remember the day that she died. I was uh, in the conference room. We were having our staff meeting. And 
You had a short drive up to their house, and you had to stand on the bed where Taylor was with her mom and <clears throat> her little sister, and her dad was uh, standing in the room. And I thought to myself, how does, how does good come from this? You know, this girl died way too young, and she suffered for months before she died. And, like, like she's the girl you want to have around. She's a keeper. Um, why her? And then eight days ago, I stopped into the volleyball tournament briefly and just checked things out. I talked to her parents. Um, and I saw hundreds of people up there. They were playing volleyball. They were laughing. They were having fun. Um, you know, I saw these two parents. They were both so proud. Um, you know, new friendships were formed that day. People got outside. But there was thousands and thousands of dollars that was raised for pediatric cancer. Now, all of us who knew Taylor wish uh, that this would never have been her story. I wish it was uh, just a bunch of weeds up there instead of a volleyball court. You know, but what God does is uh, he takes the pain, the disease, the dysfunction, the death, whatever it is, and God can make good. God can make beautiful. And God can take our regrets, and God can make good, and God can make beautiful. Regret, it can... Uh, develop us or it can defeat us. Now we get to choose what it does. You can let regret defeat you. You can let your past mistakes and failures, the inactions, the actions, the words, all the things that went wrong, you can let those defeat you or you can let those develop you. You know, the message today is partner with God in helping um, you redeem your regrets. Believe that something good uh, and beautiful can happen. Know that Regret is going to be a terrible tyrant, but regret is also going to be this wonderful teacher. So look at the screen behind me. It uh, really shows a picture of your life and of uh, my life as well. This is the photo of the doors. Um, so if you look at your regrets, your words you wish you wouldn't have said, the actions you wish you would have done differently, the inactions, the thing that uh, you wish you would have done, um, now, some of those opportunities, some of those people, um, it's done. That ship has sailed. Like, you know, the hurt was too deep in the relationship, and the relationship is over, and the door is closed. Uh, now, some of them, there's still going to be, like, possibilities. The door is still open. Like many of us, uh, we might feel that we've uh, neglected our uh, relationship with, with, with God. Um, well, that door is still open. Like, you can start today and, you know, move forward. You can... You can still eat better, you can still exercise, you can still learn, you can uh, grow in your relationship with other people. Now here's a lesson I want you to look at as you think about the doors. The lesson of the, the closed doors, the opportunities that exist no longer, um, is that we can do better next time. And the opportunity of the open doors is that we, um, we can do something now. You know, we don't have to wait until the opportunity passes us by um, we can do something now. Now, think about this one because it, it, it matters to you. Um, regret wants to teach us, and now we're going to look at the closed door first. Regret wants to teach us that getting past our past regrets is essential to living in the present. Now, there's going to be some doors that have, have closed in our lives because of actions and inactions and and words, and the reality is that the doors are closed, and there's nothing we can do about it. We can 
learn from it and do better next time. So I want to talk about a guy who had uh, some doors that were closed to him. So the man's name was Paul. Uh, he was a church planter. He ended up uh, writing about 40% of the New Testament. Now Paul was a Jew. Uh, he wasn't just a Jew. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, which if you could be from any of the 12 tribes, that was the tribe you wanted to be from. He wasn't just from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, he was uh, a Pharisee, which meant he was part like legal scholar and part uh, uh, political ruler. He would have been educated in the, the Tanakh, the Hebrew scriptures, um, like more than anybody else. Now, Paul, uh, he did some things he regretted. He found himself persecuting Christians. And there was one man that was being persecuted one uh, day. His name was Stephen. Um, there's a church down the street named after Stephen. And uh, all of a sudden, all the Jewish people, this is before Paul's conversion, they started to throw rocks at Stephen. And you know, Paul didn't throw the rocks, but Paul could have instead stopped throwing the rocks, and the people would have stopped throwing the rocks, and Stephen would have been alive. But Paul, he watched Stephen die. I imagine that was probably something that Paul remembered every day for the rest of his life. Um, you know, Paul had a conversion experience on the road to Damascus. It was there he discovered a relationship with Jesus. It was there his heart and his life and his world, it, it totally changed. Now, Paul, he planted churches all over uh, Turkey and Greece, Italy, and uh, one of the churches he planned was in Philippi. It's in modern-day Greece. So he'd start these churches, and he'd move on to other churches, and he'd write letters back to the existing churches. And his letter to the Philippians is one of the good ones. So in Philippians uh, chapter 3, Paul writes about regret. And we see the starting in verse 12. Uh, Paul says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. So he's talking about perfection here. He's like, I'm just like you. I make mistakes. Um, you know, get in line, taking numbers, a t-shirt, like we all do it. I have not achieved perfection, but I focus on one thing. Now, these people would have known this story about Stephen. They knew that Paul was redeemed from that. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, you know, forgetting that I was there that day and I let this happen to Stephen, um, learning from this, not continuing to live there, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And like, this is grace right here. Like the actions and the inactions and the hard words that we wish we wouldn't have said, like he's getting rid of those and he's going to press on to reach uh, the end of the race and, and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. I want you to look at those two, uh, three words, I, I press on. So for all the doors that are closed in our lives, what do we do? We press on. You know, we can linger or we can learn. We can have uh, regret be a tyrant or we can have it, have it be a teacher. Don't let regret defeat, defeat you. What pressing on does is pressing on does this. Pressing on moves us from a hurtful past to uh, uh, a better present, a better present reality and really a, a hopeful future. So some of you are actually thinking to yourself, okay, I totally blew that relationship you know, it might have been my dad, it might have been my kid, it might have been my neighbor, it might have been my coworker, it could have been a significant other. I, I totally blew that relationship and the door's shut. So what do you do? You press on. You don't quit. Um, you know, you keep on keeping on. Like there, there's an opportunity that you missed. Like you could have started that business or you could have gone back to school or you could have made this investment, whatever it is. Um, 
So do you like live in that land of regret and continue to beat yourself up, or um, do you press on? Paul says, let's press on toward the, uh, toward the mark that God is calling us to. You know, some of us are thinking, okay, I should have taken uh, better care of myself, and you know, because I didn't, I'm always going to have this disease or this, this ailment. And what do you do? You, you press on. Um, you keep living, even like with, I mean, Paul later in life, he said like, um, yeah, I prayed uh, three times that this affliction be taken away from me. And Jesus answered me, he said, you know, Paul, like, it's not going to happen, but I want you to know that my grace is, is sufficient for you. Like, we press on. Like, we don't quit. We continue. We don't give up. We accept the grace. Some of us are saying, like, okay, I've neglected God, and here I am again, starting over. Well, what do you do? You press on. You start today, like, where you are, and you move into a, a better future. Some of us are thinking, okay, I can't forgive that person. Like, that's always going to be this painful moment in my life. And, like, what do you do? You press on. You keep trying to do it. Because you know that uh, a future filled with grace is better than a future filled with uh, resentment. There's probably some of us who are saying here today, like, I have never believed in myself. I've never believed that I'm good enough. I've, I've never believed that, that I'm qualified. Well, what do you do is you press on. And eventually you get to the place where you believe that you are indeed God's beloved, that you are uh, his masterpiece, that he has created you uh, to do crazy, cool, amazing, good things here in this world. Like we press on. Now that's the closed door, not the open door. Uh, so I believe the phrase, what if, is going to cause many of us much regret. You know, what if I fail? What if uh, she says no and tells her friends and like they all think I'm a loser? What if uh, I get in over my head? Um, those are words of regret. So I want to tell you a story. And I was thinking the other day when I was writing this, who are some people in the Bible that live with absolutely no regrets? And I landed on three boys who had no regrets when it came to their faith. And you can apply this to like any area of your life. So there's three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and um, they had an encounter with God, and they were going to uh, just, they, they just, they love God, and they totally had full faith in him. So there's a king during the time, the king's name was Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar wasn't really thrilled with this, this God, he wasn't thrilled with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to worship him um, and, and his idols, and not, uh, you know, the God of Abraham and Isaac and, and, and Jacob. So uh, he basically tells the boys, like, okay, we can do this uh, your way or we can do this my way. Like, you can bow down to these idols um, uh, and you're going to worship, like, you know, what I tell you to worship. Or if you want to do things your way, I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. You know, so these boys just looked into this inferno and Nebuchadnezzar, he knew what their answer was going to be. Um, except their answer wasn't what uh, Nebuchadnezzar thought it was going to be. So he had given them an ultimatum, like, you believe in my idols and you bow down to them, or you're going to go in that furnace. So there's no regrets here. Um, they never had to regret uh, worshiping a God that uh, they knew wasn't true. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and this is in Daniel 3, starting in verse 16, um, replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, 
and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But here's what I want you to hear. But even if, even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So those two words, even if, they will change your life. If you can replace the what ifs, the doubts, the insecurities, the fears, if you can replace the what ifs with the even ifs, even if our God doesn't save us, we're not ever, ever going to worship these idols that you've made. There's no regrets when you say even if and you replace the what if with the even if. Yeah, so even even if, um, well, like, let's go back to, like, trying to find a suitor. Like, even if, uh, we, we say, well, what if he says no? Um, what if he says, well, you're not really dating material. What if he hurts my feelings? What if I get into this thing and it doesn't work out and my heart gets broken? Well, what if is going to lead you to a lot of regret? You know, if you don't make the ask, you're going to wonder what would have been. Uh, if it starts to work out for a while and it doesn't work out, um, you know, there's going to be regrets there. So even if says, okay, even if he says no, I'm going to ask him because uh, I believe that there's a relationship in my future. We replace the what if with the even if. Like, say, you know, okay, I'm going to start a business. Well, what if I lose money? What if I get in over my head? What if uh, the customers don't come? What if, like, I'm a failure? Well, the regret that goes with the what ifs is your eyes going to wonder what would have been. Uh, so even if I fail, even if the customers don't come, uh, even if like this product isn't nearly as good as I think it is, I'm going to give it a shot. Because when you lay your uh, head on the pillow that night, you're not going to have any regrets because you're not always going to wonder why. What about in our relationship with God? Um, what if I pray and it was like the last time I prayed and nothing happened? What if uh, God doesn't give me the right answer? What if God doesn't give me the right answer in the right time? What if uh, I start to pray and I lose my focus and nothing happens? Well, the regret is going to be that you're like missing out on a relationship with the creator of the universe who's madly in love with you, who's uh, created you um, as uh, his beloved and his masterpiece to do good things in this world. Like The regret is going to be, I wonder what would have happened if I would have really prayed what God would have done in me and through me. So here if we replace the what if with the even if, is even if God doesn't answer the way that I want, when I want, I'm still going to do it anyway. Because uh, I never want to be far from God. Uh, because I believe that he loves me and he knows what's best for me and he wants what's best for me. And like eventually in his time, he's going to reveal that to me. Yeah, I think even like when we started the water's edge. Um, I remember like when we lived in Texas and I was working with the prisoners and doing other stuff at the church. And there's a lot of what ifs. What if we move here and, um, you know, the people in uh, West Omaha just don't really think there's a need for a new church? Or what if uh, they all go to these existing churches? What if, um, you know, we get started and there's conflict? And it, I mean, there's, there's a million reasons why new churches don't work out. And I just thought about all the what ifs. You know, but eventually there was this even if moment. Like, even if the people don't come. Even if the people, uh, you know, don't want to be in small groups, even if people don't want to serve, we're going to give this a try anyway because I knew that regret was always going to be there if we didn't try. 
You know, so what I want us to do is take the what if and replace it with the even if. So there's a prayer on the screen uh, that you'll see behind me. And what I want us to do is I want us to pray this prayer boldly. I want us to pray this prayer together. Uh, there's a card as you're leaving today that you'll be uh, given one of those cards. And if regret has been part of your life, if regret is something you're struggling with, if regret is something that you can't quite get past, I want you to take this card and I want you to put it in a place and I want you to use this prayer this week. And like this is not a single event. Like you're not going to leave here saying, okay, I'm over all my regrets. I'm glad that Craig took care of that for me. Like, that's not how this works. Like, today is really like the first step in a long journey that many of us are going to have to start taking to get over our regrets and turn those regrets into a hopeful reality and a hopeful future. So I invite you to pray with me. God, help me leave behind the regrets that are holding me back. Let me move forward with lessons learned and forgiveness accepted. Amen. So God, I do pray right now for uh, all those who are dealing with regrets, all of us who are dealing with regrets. God, maybe this is something that happened recently. It could have happened this morning. Maybe this is something that happened uh, a long, long time ago, and we just haven't moved past it yet. Lord, uh, it could be um, you know, on a relationship, maybe for those of us who are dads. Um, you know, it's uh, the kids that we parent, and there's some regrets as we look back. Lord, maybe it's... Uh, relationship with a significant other, maybe it's a relationship with a friend, whatever it is, Lord, um, we, we bring our regrets to you, and God, it can be, you know, one of the doors that's uh, still open, um, it could be our relationship with you, it can be uh, a dream, a goal, um, a vision that we just uh, haven't quite got there yet, but the door's still open, uh, you know, Lord, help us to place our regrets behind us and, and uh, move forward into a, a, a better reality. God, uh, care for us uh, at this time. Help us remember, help us remember Paul, who, who pressed onward. Lord, despite significant regrets in his life, it did not stop him from doing amazing things. It did not stop him from doing new things. And God, help us to be like Paul. Help us to press on. Despite the regrets that we have, help us, Lord, to press on into the, the future that you're calling us into. And, and God, help us to be like those three boys, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Like, God, when we ask, what if, Lord, replace that with uh, the phrase, even if. You know, we heard the boys say, even if uh, this fire consumes us, uh, you know, we're not going to worship you. There's no regrets. There's no looking back. And, and Lord, help us to take our fears and our insecurities, uh, your unbelief, and, and Lord, uh, give us the faith of those three boys that were willing to walk into the fire and did walk into the fire. And Lord, help us, like them, discover that there's one in the fire with us. That person is Jesus, the one who died so that our regrets would be temporary, that our regrets would be teachers, um, that our regrets would move us to this place of hope. God, there's many of us that have the song uh, Regret stuck in our head, and God, give us a new tune. Give us uh, the tune of hope, hope for, for strength and power and blessings and abundance today and hope for uh, a better future tomorrow. So God, now in one voice we come and we pray the prayer that Jesus himself uh, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And not into, <clears throat> but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
you think after praying that prayer like 6,000 times, I would get it right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess I'll start looking on the words at the screen. Um, so, hey, uh, don't forget to get your uh, prayer card on the way out. Uh, Dad's the really cool marker, the golf chip, get it. If you won one of the contests, uh, get that as well. Um, to all the dads out there, uh, happy Father's Day. Dads, I think, at our absolute best, we uh, give our kids uh, a glimpse of God, and I pray that we can do that today and all days in the future. So have a happy Sunday, everyone, and we'll see you here next week at the Water's Edge. Thank you.